Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Okay, so as we kick off this morning, um, I need a volunteer. Hey, front row. <laughs> this is why people don't, don't want to sit here. Vicky, can you help me? Come on up, because no one's volunteering themselves. Vicky Martin, the amazing Vicky Martin, everybody. You'll pay for that on Monday. <laughs> I know, I know I will. Okay, uh, can you please choose a room in the building other than this one to take me to? Now, I know that's weird, but it is important, and we won't be long, okay? So, can you? Ch- what room are you going to take me to? I was going to take you to Footprints, but I don't think that's wise. <laughs> footprints, we can go cuddle babies. That's great. Okay, lead the way. Footprints. Yep, I'm coming. Yes, I'm coming. It's, I'm right with you. I agree. Footprints is an amazing place to go. I want to get there. Let's go. Yeah, I'm coming. Yeah, I'm coming. No, totally. I will meet you there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Why am I not there yet? Like, I really, you can come back in. You can come back in. Huh. Really thought I'd be there by now. Really want to cuddle the babies. Can't believe I'm not there. What's the deal? What's the deal? Okay. So this might look a little bit ridiculous, right? Yes. This is weird. (laughs) This is weird. But um, you know what? It's what some of us are doing right now. It's actually what I do with God all the time. All the time, all the time. I say, yeah, God, I want to go there with you. I want to go further with you. I want to do that amazing thing. That sounds incredible. I'm in full agreement. Let's go. My intention is right in line with God. I'm, an, I'm a big amen, capital A, ready to go, good to do. And I don't move. I don't do anything. You know what I'm learning? I'm learning that I have to follow Jesus' example and follow his lead if I'm going to follow in his steps. I actually have to move my feet. I actually have to move my feet. It means moving. It means I need to act on my intentions. Amen? Yes. (laughs) You know, there's this great account of something Jesus did in the book of Luke that really brought this home for me that I wanted to share with you this morning. And we're going to build it from there because this is just the tip of the iceberg, okay? This is just the tip of the iceberg. Don't worry, I haven't given you this scripture. I'm just going to talk them through it, Mike. Okay, so Luke 17, we find this story where um, Jesus is traveling along a road outside of Samaria and uh, the border of Samaria and Galilee. And as he's going towards the village, he comes across 10 men with leprosy. Now, if you know anything about leprosy in the first century, I don't know if you do or not, (laughs) but it was not a good disease. It was a contagious disease, and so people would have to be separate from the community, okay? So you're separated from your family, you're separated from the centre of town. You actually have to call out, if someone's coming towards you, unclean, to keep people away from you, okay? So it's a very isolating existence. So there's ten of these guys together, they all have leprosy, and they call out to Jesus in the distance. And when he sees them, he says... Go show yourselves to the priests. Now, you had to do that to be declared clean and go back to the community that you were used to. 
and the comforts that you were probably missing. And on the way, the leprosy was healed and they became clean. Now, one of them realizes on the way, wait, I'm better. And what he does is he stops, he runs back to Jesus, he falls at his feet and he thanks him. And Jesus says, Ah, weren't there ten of you? Where's the other nine? Are you really the only one who returned to give praise to God? Now, before we judge the other nine a little too harshly, (laughs) can I just say that if we chase them down and we ask them if they were grateful, they would say that they were absolutely grateful. They are probably really busily getting home to their families and going, hey, look what Jesus did. Probably they're over the moon excited about what's just happened to them. They're incredibly grateful. But they didn't come back and thank him. They didn't act on that. They had the same problem that we sometimes have, which is they felt it, they just didn't express it. Ouch, a little bit uncomfortable in your seat. I know I am. For us to follow in Jesus' footsteps, intention needs to turn into action because action makes intention known, doesn't it? God's love for us certainly found expression in action. God sent his son to live amongst us and pay the penalty for our sins by dying a sacrificial death in our place so that we have the opportunity to have restored relationship with him without anything in the way. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 to 10 says, This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty big act, actually. And Jesus didn't just demonstrate his love for us by dying, by the way. He also demonstrated um, his love for us in how he lived. He healed. He restored. He comforted. He brought life. He corrected, but he accepted. He embraced. He spent time with people from every walk of life. And he showed them how to live in harmony with each other. He was loyal. He was sacrificial. He was the embodiment of love. The verse directly before this one, um, the verses, verse 7 and 8, says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. It is his very nature. And then the passage continues in verse 11. Dear friends... Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. It's saying that we live in a world where people don't necessarily get to meet Jesus. Has anyone run into him down the street lately? Okay, people don't necessarily get to see God, except when we love them like he does except when we love them like he does. They get a glimpse of him. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. So if Jesus takes it pretty seriously when we forget to express gratitude and thankfulness, how do you think he feels if we forget to express love? 
keeping in mind that we might feel it, but are we expressing it? It's a whole other thing. Because gratitude is about us, but love is bigger than that. Love is about God. You are the expression of love from God to others. What? (laughs) That's huge. And if that goes unexpressed, then it's uncommunicated and it's unfelt to people who don't know him. And that has huge implications that go way past you or them. Imagine if love went unexpressed. You know, when Dan and I were dating and falling in love, we did crazy little things for each other to express that love for each other. Um, (laughs) I'm a bit embarrassed. I once sent him a bouquet of flowers with, I know, like why, (laughs) he's such a boy boy. (laughs) But I thought it was a good idea at the time. Um, uh, Sorry, it was like a dozen flowers and on each different stem I attached a note, a handwritten note of all the different ways I loved him. He just went, thanks. (laughs) But what probably really expressed, you know, love to him most from his perspective (laughs) and not my own was um, my willingness to spend the night before our wedding at a gun shop for a couple of hours. (laughs) He felt the love then. He felt the love. And uh, he wants girls, get ready this like there's a huge sigh coming okay (laughs) he um he once secretly organized a dressmaker to make a custom dress for me that we saw in a movie that we watched together and he remembered that I said I liked it so he had the seamstress watch the movie and make the pattern from I and then I got to turn up and just have a Cinderella moment at this magical fitting so that's a bit lovely (laughs) He's taken. Um, (laughs) Sue Dax, I'm looking at you. (laughs) When love motivates you, you want to express it. Yes? When love motivates you, you want to express it. You want it to be felt by others. It's the whole point, isn't it? It's the whole point of that feeling. Now imagine if we never, if Dan and I never expressed our love for each other again. We felt it, but what if we never expressed it again? What would that do to our marriage? Why is it that sometimes over time we forget to continue to act love out, especially in our closest relationships, because the feeling of love is there? We intend to love them, but it's action that makes intention known. Love by nature needs to be expressed. If God is love, then who should we be? His followers be. Who should we be? Jesus said that unless you know him like a child... You'll never really know him at all. Now, he did not mean, and I tried this once, engage him in a childish way. (laughs) Do it all the time. (laughs) Um, He meant engage him like a child. What do children do? Children learn by watching the people who are heroes to them, right? They follow them around and they try to model their behavior. They try to act like them. That's what God meant. That's what Jesus meant when he said that. We need to be running around going, oh, you're doing that? I'm going to give that a go because I want to be just like you when I grow up. Disciples become like their masters and ours calls himself love. Jesus talked to his friends a lot about how we should identify ourselves. He said it wouldn't be what we said we believed 
or all of the good intentions we had. It wouldn't even be how we felt like defining ourselves. He said we would identify ourselves simply by how we loved people. It's huge. In fact, it's actually commanded. 1 John 3.23 says, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Okay, got that. And to love one another as he commanded us. Matthew 22 uh, has this great story where someone is challenging Jesus and he says, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. He barely draws breath. He doesn't stop. He asks for one. He doesn't stop. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus saw loving God and loving people as one inseparable mandate. He knew we couldn't express love to God well if we didn't love people. God's idea isn't just that we would give and receive love and that it would be transactional, but that we would become love. Do people describe you as love? Do they describe me as love? Like if someone asked them to describe me and you hadn't met me before, would they say, oh, Trish is love, that's how you'll know her? (laughs) No, said no one ever. (laughs) But it's challenging, is it? Would they say it about you? Now, don't worry. Loving each other well is not where any of us start when we begin following Jesus. It's a journey we find ourselves on for the rest of our lives. Will it be messy? Yes. Will it be ambiguous and uncomfortable when we love people the way Jesus loved them? Absolutely. Loving people, really loving them, takes hard work and humility and patience and guts. So what does it look like to love like Jesus? Well, remember, it looks like action. Love doesn't just keep thinking about it or keep planning for it. Love is a do thing. Matthew 25, uh, we find this story um, where Jesus is talking about a picture of heaven and there's this group of people where God says, depart from me, you who are cursed, for I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. Now, again, before we judge them too harshly, there would be people in that group who didn't intend to be mean or uncaring I'm sure they would have been willing to help if Jesus had walked up and asked them. But when the hungry or the thirsty or the sick or the strange people came along, they didn't know what to do with them, so they didn't act. They didn't do anything. It wasn't that they necessarily disagreed with Jesus or folded their arms and refused to help. Their mistake was probably simple for some of them. In fact, it's the one I make almost every day. They just didn't recognize that these people were actually Jesus. These people were created by him. And there's value placed 
on them by the God of heaven. These people didn't dress like him, they didn't talk like him, and they didn't act like him. In fact, sometimes the opposite's true. James 2 drives this home. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In other words, that's an expressed intention. Man, I hope, I hope the best for you. I really do. I hope the best for you. But you do nothing? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Wow. Remember, for us to follow in Jesus' footsteps, intention needs to turn into action because action makes intention known. By now, we're building a pretty solid case that God takes us pretty seriously. And it has pretty big implications if we don't engage in this, right? You know, it's easy to love kind, lovely, humble people. But sometimes we avoid the people we don't understand or the ones that live differently to us. We can be friendly to them, but we rarely make them our friends. But if we continue to live that way, then we can spend our whole life avoiding the people Jesus spent his whole life engaging now, big disclaimer, this is important. Lean in and hear me when I say this. Are there people you should give a wide berth to? Absolutely. There are people who are unsafe, okay? God gave us discernment and we should exercise it. God gave us a definition of what safe love looks like. He gave us principles and boundaries that are healthy for relationships, so I'm not saying go home and blindly love an unsafe person if they are abusing you. Or at least what I'm saying is don't love them in a way that keeps you exposed to harm. Okay? Don't love them in a way that keeps you exposed to harm. Remove yourself from harm if need be. Love them from a distance if that's what's needed. But failing that scenario, which hopefully is not the bulk of the room... Failing that, you know, we've been given understanding and kindness and the ability to forgive, and that's pretty powerful. There is a difference between good judgment and living in judgment of someone. Exercise a heap of good judgment, but do your best not to live in judgment of other people's choices or shortcomings. You have a few too, okay? We make loving people a whole lot more complicated than Jesus did. He spent his last meal on earth with a person that he knew would betray him in the worst possible way and then willingly die as a criminal's death. That's the model. That's what, we're, that's what we're trying to follow. So how does Jesus love tricky people? Because I know a few. <laughs> I don't know if you do. But there's some tricky people out there. How does he love them? You know, he makes his enemies his friends every day. Every day. And he doesn't do it by arguing or convincing or being right. And he is, by the way, he's right. <laughs> but he doesn't have to drive that home. He lets the power of love do all the talking for him. Bob Goff says, love one another, but what is simple often isn't easy. What is easy often doesn't last. I think we know that that's true. So let's do the work of love. You might ask, how do I act like I love someone if I don't feel love towards them? 
isn't that ingenuine? It's a good question. But, you know, I think the world fools us into thinking that our feelings are truth. When in reality, our feelings are not a solid metric or barometer of truth. Not even close. I feel things that are untrue all the time. Hello, hormones. (laughs) God's word is the only truth we can stand on. And God's word tells us that love is action, not emotion. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He's so awesome. Do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as you do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love them. You know, don't waste time trying to sit and manufacture feelings. Does that mean you're not really loving them? Not at all. You're engaged in demonstrating Christ to them, motivated by God's love for you and for them. It's not ingenuine. It's just not about me or them. It's about something bigger than that. Now, it would be ingenuine if we were acting in love towards them so that we could look good or so that they were indebted to us somehow because the motivation there comes back to it being about me and not about the love of God being demonstrated. So there are scenarios where it's ingenuine. Yeah, of course. But not when Jesus is at the centre of it. How do you think... (laughs) How do you think you would measure up if Christ loved you according to how much you deserved it? You know, none of us are deserving of the kind of sacrificial love that God modelled for us. So it's not a matter of love being earned by the recipient of our love. That's transactional love. I mean, which came first, Christ's love for you or the change in your feelings and heart towards him? It was Christ's love for you. Love inspires change eventually. But even amongst people, if it doesn't, love because Christ loved, not because they earned it from you or not. Okay? Now, when I challenged myself on this, particularly when it came to loving people close to me, when I don't feel like the effort is reciprocated, that can get a bit icky, can't it? In our close relationships where it's like, oh, I am trying and trying and trying and I am doing all of this stuff and I feel like they're just not even lifting a finger. Has has anyone else ever thought that? Please say yes. (laughs) Okay, good. I felt a bit exposed there for a second. Um, You know, we can ask ourselves, what if I'm spending myself on loving people and no one does the same for me? Okay, let's imagine a tree, all right? It's a healthy tree. It has a healthy root system that has access to life-giving water. In fact, um, it's a tree that can bear fruit. Let's say it's a fruit tree. And if that tree is struggling, the first thing it will do is stop bearing fruit to reserve its resources, yeah? Well, love is described as a fruit of the Spirit by Paul. Without deep roots, we can't bear fruit. Without roots, with access to life-giving water, so without access to God, then we can't love like Jesus loves for very long because we just wear ourselves out. We just wear ourselves out or we get hurt and we retreat. So we need to be a tree with deep roots tapped into life-giving water which will produce plentiful fruit. What does that look like? Well, you know what? If you have intimacy with God 
if you spend time with him, if you look into his word, if, if you are giving the Holy Spirit within you an environment where he can flourish and be heard by you because you know the sound of his voice because you've been listening, in that environment, fruit is a natural byproduct. And by the way, picking the fruit from a healthy tree, it doesn't take anything from the life or health of the tree, does it? The tree doesn't suffer at all if you go pick an orange. In fact, you shouldn't leave the fruit on the tree indefinitely because the longer it's there, it begins to decay and provide a potential home for disease that can then infect the whole tree. Fruit is meant to be given away for the health of the plant. And if that's the case, then what about me doesn't actually come into it because our fruit is meant to be shared and expressed to the world as an expression of who God is as an expression of who we are becoming because of him. So if we have our root system right, we can give away heaps of fruit and it won't hurt us at all. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Be encouraged. It's worth it. Just keep going. Just keep going. Mark 11 Um, has a pretty cool story. Jesus is walking um, with his disciples and he sees in the distance a fig tree in leaf. He went to find out if it had any fruit and when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again and his disciples heard him say it. Hmm, that's a bit odd. Seems a bit like rude because um, he was cursing a fig tree that didn't have figs on it, even though it wasn't the season for figs. It's like, is that the tree's fault? (laughs) Um, It's a bit weird unless you know a little bit about fig trees. Does anyone study fig trees? I have this week. It's really super interesting. (laughs) Um, Okay, so fig trees throw off an early fruit. It's like a pre-fig I'm not an arborist, clearly, or a gardener of any kind. (laughs) Um, It's a little green bud about the size of an almond that people would go by and they would pick. Now, it wasn't the sweet, juicy fig that we can think of when we think of a fig, but it was a fruitful part of the tree and you could eat it early. And it's known as the Breba fig. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but we'll go with it. Um, John, do you know? Is it a Breba fig? No, okay. (laughs) Now, the fig tree will always produce these Breba figs before it will produce leaves. Okay, so that's important to the story because Jesus saw a fig fig tree that had nothing but leaves. Now, we know historically that Jesus encountered this fig tree in the first week in April, which is exactly when this fig tree should be covered in the little Breba figs. If a tree had leaves and no little figs, it was a tree that was giving the appearance of being a fruitful tree when in fact it wasn't. It would never produce the figs that we would eat later in the season if it doesn't do this first. Does that make sense? Okay, so now the story suddenly makes sense because it's like Jesus is using this example to say, what I don't like is people who give the appearance of godliness but then deny the fruit of godliness who say, yeah, I'm a godly person, but don't act. There's no fruit. 
And then straight after this, as the story continues, where they were walking to was into the temple. And there we see that famous story of him turning over tables and condemning um, people there for exactly that, for having the appearance of knowing him, but their actions didn't line up. So those two stories are actually really ingrained and suddenly that fig tree makes total sense and Jesus isn't being mean at all. He's being really, really deep. (laughs) That's often the way with stories that I initially read and don't understand in the Bible. They were, you know, those people were motivated by themselves rather than love for people. Peter says um, in 2 Peter chapter 1, look, hey, it's great you know who Jesus is, but then I want you to add to your faith, to your belief. Make sure that you don't just have a said faith without a faith in action. And he says to add add to your faith generous love. It's one of the things that he says to add to your faith. And then in verse 8, he says, For if these qualities, so love, are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. Huh. We can keep giving it away. It doesn't make us unfruitful. We have an endless supply so long as our root system is right, so long as our root system is strong and our motivation is correct and it's about Jesus. If we love as Christ loves and we are not ineffective or unfruitful, he cursed the fig tree because it was equipped to bear fruit. It looked like a tree that should produce fruit, but it didn't. It forgot to act. And you know what? It's just something that in our busy lives is too easy for us to get to do to, for us to remember to do to. For us to follow in Jesus' footsteps, intention needs to turn into action because action makes intention known. We were made to be the embodiment of love for people to see Jesus through our actions. Go love some people the way you've never loved them before. Go show them Jesus. It will take guts. It will take commitment and you may need to cross a room or a street or a country to do it. You may need to love people not like you. You may need to be the person who starts to love someone fiercely, even if it's not reciprocated immediately. Loving like that can change mindsets. It can save marriages. It can change eternities. Why don't you stand and I'll pray for you. Father God, we thank you that you first loved us. And because you loved us, Jesus, we want to go and be just like you. Show us opportunities, God, in our week. Show us opportunities that we can just reach out and love people. Even if we don't know them, God, just show us what to do. Show us how to show them you. Help us to have a great root system so that we don't get tired in doing it, so that we can have healthy fruit that we can constantly give away in your name and for the benefit of the people who receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.